we're like I said, we'll be doing communion now. And what I'd like to do is, as we sing our song for communion, uh, we're using still using the packets, and they're out on the table in the foyer. And so, if uh, you didn't pick one up uh, while coming in, feel free while we're singing the song to to go ahead and go out and get one. And uh, we'll share in communion in a few minutes. Thank you, ladies. Paul records in the eleventh uh, chapter of First Corinthians. He writes, "For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord." Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread and share it together.
Paul continues. In the same way, he took the cup, and after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you think of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us share in the cup. Father, we thank you for the bread and the cup that remind us the sacrifice that you made. You emptied yourself, came into the world. And, and not just as a man, but as a servant to men, even to the point of death on the cross. You showed us through your love and your mercy and your grace how much you love us. And we celebrate the resurrection as well, the proof that you can accomplish all things that you have promised. And so we take these words that Paul writes and, and, and this idea that we will share this until we, you come again. And you've even told us you will not take of this until we meet again. And we look forward to that day. There are days around us now, Lord, where we say, come soon, Lord Jesus. Uh, but we know that your time is perfect. And we rest in you and ask, Lord, that you would be with us through the rest of the service. And we commit it again to you. And again, we worship and thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we have the privilege to have Paul and Ricky Clark here from Japan. They've been uh, ministering in Japan since 1950, was when you went there as a child, right? And uh, the... uh, they, have, they are part of uh, Osaka Bible uh, Seminary. And the thing that's interesting about Japan is, uh, and I believe from what I've been reading, there's a hunger that's beginning to grow for something. And, and uh, they're primed and ready to deliver it. <laughs> and uh, the Japanese population has a very small percentage of Christians. It's still around 1%, isn't it? Uh, if that, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So it's a mission field that needs to be uh, ministered to. And what's really exciting about Osaka Bible Seminary is that they're raising up Japanese pastors. And, uh, and, and that is so exciting. Their ministry also extends into Mongolia, which is quite fascinating in and of itself. Uh, so uh, without any further uh, run, I'm going to turn it over to you, Paul. Well, good morning, and we'll assume the rest of the crowd is out there. We, Since we met you, we came to see Phil and Arlene uh, many years ago, and you're about to have a rodeo again then, but they were down on the river, had a baptism and all, and uh, we've been with you ever since, and it's been a very special relationship, and uh, Bob just makes us so welcome here, and uh, that's because you feel the same way about him, and we are 
grateful to have this opportunity. Uh, we are in the States because Ricky needs our corrective eye surgery. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been worth it. It cost us a thousand dollars more this time over this corona stuff to even get here and get home. Uh, one of you could have flown to Japan round trip if you got the right bargain on that amount of money. Uh, I will share, and Ricky will also share later, but uh, Brother Bob has mentioned Mongolia, and uh, I will start with that. Uh, we were invited to Mongolia in 1999, and at this point I've made over... I've made 30 entries into Mongolia and Ricky about as many. At that same time, we were going into Russia. And we, until 1969, we were also going into Russia any time we went to Mongolia. Oh, my. Huh? Did I say 69? 99? That's 1999. Anyway, uh, God has done something in Mongolia that has been incredible. I make the statement, I don't know in, in church history where anything such like it. But you all know that Soviet Russia was an atheistic nation. And they annihilated all the religious leaders, which were the Tibetan leaders in Mongolia. And in 1991, uh, the Jesus film was taken to Mongolia by Campus Crusade for Christ and war and saturated the country's population with the Jesus film. And I've been, we have been there for the 10th anniversary and 20th anniversary. And at the 20th anniversary, we had a brand new meeting hall filled to standing room only. And the men and women at the staging were speaking of a unitedness in Jesus Christ, His church, and uh, we have been a party to that through our military ministry. I was a Green Beret, and that's how I got my invitation to come and organize their military ministry. I said, Warren, that's my wife's gifting. You don't want me organizing anything. Uh, but we went into the country at that time, and uh, it so happened as they were beginning their organizationally structured Centurion's ministry, uh, we supported the first director from the beginning of that. So we've been with uh, Centurion's ministry, Mongolia, uh, from its in- virtually from its inception. And uh, the idea, you have, a, you have a country that is bounded by Russia on the north and China on the south. And yet it's a democratic nation. And uh, the military guard the borders, and the military there is a peacetime virtually military. And our ministry has been a tremendous evangelistic net uh, for the country as it trains uh, future leadership and all. And uh, we have been participating in for that length of time. Uh, over the recent years, the last six years, going into six years, I have been preaching monthly at one of our congregations. So happens, I worked with Exe Fultz as a teenager in the beginning of that congregation. And another brother who is translating for me, he's in his 60s, and he came to the Lord through that and was discipled in that congregation. Uh, when they moved, m- married and moved out of the area, uh, they were party to 
members in one of our strongest congregations, and there he was discipled. And we are the bookends of this ministry. I do much better preaching in Japanese with a translator. Uh, and I don't know how well it'll go this morning. It's been so traumatic this time. Uh, the morning before, we're going to pick up our our uh, P PRSs uh, to come. Uh, we get an email about mission business, and uh, Bob's had a part in helping us with this. Uh, very important, and uh, so it's been rather traumatic. And we've done an awful lot of driving already. Uh, Ricky and I, uh, we came to Japan to serve the kingdom of God. Uh, to see what, how we could be used to increase the response in the Japanese population to the gospel. But specifically as a calling to greater Asia. Finally, Mongolian called us to come over. That's how my dad even ended up in Japan. He was waiting for somebody to say, come over and help us. And when Warren asked me, I, I said, I have to explain why I can say yes so easily. We've been waiting. And uh, yet, the calling to Japan itself, we felt, was a bridging of the church and ministry of OBS to the present Japan and not the post-war Japan. What's the difference? The post-war born. Even the Japanese Diet, which is over 400 members, the cabinet of about 20 members for the prime minister, he only has two oldies in that group of cabinet members. They are all post-war born. And our present OBS minister, uh, president, Brother Kishimoto, he is post-war born, and we are living in that Japan which is more open uh, than Japan has ever been and may ever be. I think it's a narrow window of time where Paul speaks of the time has come uh, to profess belief. One aspect of our ministry has been Kansai Christian School. Very important, and I'm going to give up the pulpit for Miss Ricky for a few moments. And I want a picture of her in the pulpit, so I'm going to take, I'm going to come down instead of staying up there. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Wow, that's older than any of my grandparents. Wow. 
own whole body. And so they started thinking about God. And finally they come up, came up with, I think he must be 300,000 years old. <laughs> and it's just fun to see them thinking about Bible times and about God. Another young boy in that same class, he's second grader. Uh, he, he lived with his mother and his grandmother. His, I don't know if his father was ever married to the mother, but little black boy. And uh, when he first heard his teacher speaking about God as Father, he finally said, Wow, I have a Father in heaven. And he it was so touching to everyone. He was just so happy that he had a father in law. And now his mother and his grandmother with him are attending a new church that was just established about a year ago in Hagridi. The chairman of our board is the, the leader of that church. And um, they are going to that church, and the mother will be baptized soon. And then in the fall, we have three high school girls and a teacher who will be baptized in September. Now, all of our teachers are Christians, but this lady was baptized by her drunken father in the lake, and she wants a spiritual atmosphere. So, KCS, Contact Christian School, is making a difference. We have about 45 students usually, uh, and they have to for the English test and able to be admitted. We have about 50% who are Japanese, about 25% who are from other nations, and about 25% who are Christians or kids from the state or other countries. Thank you for living with us. Yes, sir. That's a warning to take a look at the clock. <laughs> now, we're headed all the way to Watsonville tonight to, to arrive at Watsonville for the evening meal. So, we're not going to hold up that hamburger, uh, wiener fry uh, any more than necessary. But, even... In our congregations that are like ourselves today, our history is not always very well known. 
especially as people come into the congregation and they're simply professing faith and, and building a life in Christ through the Scriptures, the preaching and all. But we were never a denomination by intent. Now, over history, the fences were built around us so we looked like everybody else out there as a denomination. And we, we whitewashed it. Tom saw your time like we whitewashed it. And so we act very much like a denomination, but you are an independent congregation and every church like us is the same. 